Thank you, worship team. Great, uh, great worship songs this morning. What wonderful opportunity to to just uh, sing glories to God. It's great to see everybody today. My name is Dean Hendricks, and I'm one of the pastors here. I have the the uh, blessing of serving alongside Chris and Danny and Dan, and we rotate through opening the word and it's it's really great i mean i think we all love that part we we just love the opportunity to dig into god's word and to study it and and we've we've been a few weeks off from what we typically do which is study through a book and go verse by verse through it because of course a little windstorm and the, the moving of things over on automation drive across the railroad tracks and and such so we we are in transition as a body, but we are strong as a body because of the strength that God gives us. And what a wonderful place we have to meet in the interim. We have been richly blessed. And I would, I would just ask for, for all of you to maintain and continue in prayer the gratitude for the folks at Resurrection Fellowship that they have opened their doors to us and opened a place. And they have been so accommodating. Uh, these chairs that you see every morning while we well, we're responsible for taking them down. They set them up, right? The tables outside are set up, and, and so much is done for us, and, and they help us immensely with things. They, they come and check and make sure that the sound stuff is working. Pastor Randy came in this morning to check and make sure we're okay, that everything is going fine, that, that they are meeting our needs. What a blessing for that. We are so richly blessed. And we get to be and gather as a body together. It is, it is truly almost too much. I mean, we ask God to give us abundantly and exceedingly, and he already has. So I don't know how he can do more, but I, we all have this holy sense of anticipation that God is, is preparing us for more abundant and more exceeding than we have even seen so far. And that, for me, is almost hard to fathom. Well, not almost. It's completely hard to fathom. I just don't get it. I I can't understand things. And we have been so richly blessed with things in in the word that we can study, our Redeemer, Christ dying on the cross for us and, and God calling us to himself. I mean, we should walk around permanently with a smile ear to ear on our faces because we have more now than anyone without Christ would ever be able to have, regardless of the means that they may take with them. I mean, we are just the most blessed of people. And I'm reminded of that every time I read into the Word and read the Word and study it and, and see and, and look at Paul and his life. We're studying through Second Corinthians. We're, we're going to wrap that up probably this summer. And we're going to finish up chapter 10 today. And, and Dan... Uh, a few weeks ago, was was starting in chapter 10, had a, had three messages in chapter 10, and it's just a richness in chapter 10, like everywhere in the Bible, like everywhere that Paul writes and everybody else did. We, we catch ourselves sometimes saying, oh man, this stuff is, there's so much here, and then we realize there's so much everywhere. Every word is precious. Every phrase makes us more like Christ, gives us the opportunity. Everything, there's not a single sentence in here that we can't grow from and learn from. And that's really an amazing thing for us. So when we were going on and and Dan had been talking about Paul and and he was responding to, to the Corinthians because they were accusing him of being something different when he was away than when he was with them. 
how he was bold when he wrote to them and he would hammer things down to them. But when he was there, he was meek. And Paul was explaining to them that was for their benefit that he did this. This wasn't him. He was doing this for their benefit and working through that. And he is explaining himself through them and he was helping them understand that the, you know, meekness is, is a valuable thing that we need to be patient that we need to have confidence and power in God and we need to use his divine weapons, not our own, not what we bring to this, not what we might offer to you. And, and as a pastors here, not what we bring to you guys, not uh, any oratorial skills that we might have when we come, but rather the meekness that we might bring because of God and what he has brought forth in his word and that we can study and teach. And so that's our, our goal with that. And there were speculations. People were, were questioning Paul because they were false teachers. These false teachers had come in after Paul had started the church at Corinth and after God had actually started the church at Corinth through Paul. But, but as he had taught them, and, and these false teachers had come in and they started to take over and they started to tell people that Paul was wrong, that Paul wasn't an apostle, Paul wasn't this, Paul wasn't that, and... And this letter of 2 Corinthians is really a response to some of that. So as we go dive into the passages for today, we're starting in chapter 10, verse 12 in 2 Corinthians. Paul's continuing on with that. So he's responding further to the, the people in Corinth and explaining to them what has gone wrong in their thought process with regards to the false teachers as they did that. So let's... Let's look at that and see what he tells us and what we can learn from that. So in verse 12, Paul says, For we are not bold to class or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves. But when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are without understanding. So Paul's trying to explain something to these guys that's really a critical perspective as we look at that. And, and he's, he's telling them, you know, guys... I'm not going to be so bold or courageous as to try to do what these guys are doing. Okay? I'm not going to do that. I, I, I just don't have that within me to do. I don't have that courageousness to walk into some place that someone else has been and claim the works for myself. That's really what this verse is telling us. And, and it's fun because he's looking at these guys and explaining things to them. And when we look at this, so he's not going to be courageous or to class, he's not going to, to judge or reckon himself among them. That's kind of what class means. I'm not going to put myself in the same class as them. I'm not going to say that I'm just like them. I'm not going to be courageous enough to do that. Uh, or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. Now, here's a great thing to look at. So Paul said, you know what? Don't compare me to them. I don't want you to. I have no desire to be compared to these guys. I am not like them at all. Let me draw some distinction between myself and these people and what they're looking at. You see, they commend themselves. They measure themselves by themselves. How many of us have gone out in things and, and when we're on our own, we think we have a certain ability? Like if I had never seen a professional baseball pitcher, I might think I could throw the ball fast. Right? And if I'm the only one around, I could probably even convince myself that I was getting faster and faster and faster as I did it until eventually nobody could possibly catch up with me. 
But all I have to do to truly find out where I am is to measure myself against that with which I want to be measured to, right? So I'm, a, I'm from Montana originally. I like the Old West and the gunslingers, right? The people would practice gunslinging. And some people thought they got to be pretty fast. Most of them didn't get a second chance, right? The old concept was there's always a faster gun. There's always someone who's faster. So be cautious when you're measuring yourself. If you're comparing yourself to the tree stump, you're probably going to beat it most of the time, right? But if the guy on the other end's got a gun, it might change your perspective. It's that whole concept as we look at that, and that that often when we measure ourselves against ourselves, we puff ourselves up because there's nothing to keep us where we should be. We get better and better and better. I thought I was reasonably tall till the boys grew up, right? So now I look up to them both and, and see that Amy's in the same boat, right? Maggie just passed her up. So Amy now is the shortest person in our family. And it's a different perspective when you actually look out and around. But when we live in this little world where we always see as ourselves, we measure ourselves by that. And our pride will lead us to self-complacency and self-satisfaction within that. What else do I need? I'm me. I got it all. Right? Just don't, just don't bring anything close to me to see what it looks like. And then I can look really good. So when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they look pretty good. But Paul goes on to say, but they are without understanding. In essence, he says they're foolish. The lack of understanding is foolishness. No, they don't have understanding. They're foolish people. So they compared themselves to themselves. They thought they looked pretty good. But when, when the truth came out, they were not. They were found lacking. They were found wanting. They did not measure up to the reality. And Paul's trying to to bring this up. So we have to be cautious and careful as we do this. And we see this in other places in 2 Corinthians 3, 1. We talked about commending. Paul was saying, "So, so do I need to commend myself to you? And he was asking rhetorically because he had no intention of doing that. Because to Paul, it had nothing to do with him commending himself or him measuring himself He was commended and measured by God. That's all he wanted. God will commend and measure us. We can stand in front of the mirror. We can go up to the wall and we can make a mark where we are. Or we can show some sort of ability or speed or whatever all by ourselves all day long. But the reality is we will only be commended by our Father. He is the one who will have the definitive position of commendation towards us. So we have to be careful with that. So Paul's trying to explain to the Corinthians, look, they measure themselves by themselves. They may look good to themselves, but if they measure up against the true measure, which is Christ, they fall far short. So then he continues on in verse 13. But we, he and the people working with him, we will not boast beyond our measure. But within the measure... As of the sphere which God apportioned to us as a measure to reach even as far as you. See, Paul's trying to go on here to say, I'm not going to boast about these things, right? This is not about me. I'm not boasting about me and what I bring to this. We're going to see in a minute, Paul's going to boast still. Boasting doesn't become the problem so much as it's 
how and why you're boasting that becomes the issue. So we're going to get to that in, in a minute as we go. These guys had been boasting outside of their measure or outside of their sphere. And this concept here that Paul is talking about, this sphere, is, is a rule or standard or a measuring line, but, but best described in the New Testament times as a limit or boundary line. So, for instance, my sphere is this room. This might be a great example to do this. So today I get the opportunity to open the word here in this room. Now, if I were to be foolish and to say that all good that came out of this property, both here and, and the building sanctuary to the north of us, where the folks at Resurrection Fellowship are meeting, were because of me opening the word today, that would be beyond my sphere. The pastor there is going to give an excellent message today. He's going to share the word of God with the people, and lives will be changed. But it would be wrong of me to claim that because I'm not there. That's not my sphere. My sphere is to be truthful and faithful to opening God's word here in this building today. This is my sphere for the day. Paul's sphere was the Gentiles. Right? God had given Paul the Gentiles in Acts 26, 16 through 18. Paul is, is getting a message to go, and he's getting his job description. Christ is saying to Paul, But arise and stand on your feet, for this purpose I have appeared to you, to appoint you as a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you, delivering you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. Open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God in order that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. That was Paul's job description. Go to the Gentiles. The Corinthians were there. Right? That was Paul's sphere. He is reaching out to that. This was his area. He had gone first to the Corinthians. He had been there to set up the church and, and to get things moving. And that was his fear. These other false apostles that came in, came into that. So it would be equivalent to Danny, Chris, Dan, and myself being gone for a weekend and having somebody come in and preach a false gospel here. This is our sphere, right? This body, this town of Windsor, this area, this is our sphere. And it would be as if that had happened. So that's kind of the same concept that Paul's trying to get at. But, but he's being careful to help these guys understand these Corinthians. We're not going to boast beyond our measure. My measure is set. God has set it. He's going to talk about expanding his sphere later in a verse or two. But his concept here is my measure is set. My measure is dependent upon God. And that's how and the way I will go on to teach and involve myself with people. And I'm not going to boast in that. I'm going to boast in the Lord. In Galatians 6.14, it says, But may it never be that I should boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. That's what we boast towards. That's what we boast for, for Christ and what he has done, not what we have done. So Paul's trying to draw these guys back together and say, Okay, guys, we started this. We based it on a good foundation. False teachers came in measuring themselves only by themselves, commending themselves, and, and they have drawn you astray. I'm writing this letter to tell you I'm going to come back and we're going to visit about this. I'm just preparing you for that. But just know that 
I'm not going outside my sphere. You are in my sphere. You are not in their sphere. But they came in and they're trying to claim all the good works that we have done in you through God, but you're not in their sphere. And that is an important thing for us to look at. So Paul didn't want to boast in himself. He wanted to boast more rather in what Christ had done. So if we look at verses 14 through 16, Paul goes on. He's just trying to bring this point home to them. Verse 14, For we are not overextending ourselves as if we did not reach to you. For we were the first to come, even as far as you in the gospel of Christ, not boasting beyond our measure, that is, in other men's labors, but with the hope that as your faith grows, we will be within our sphere enlarged even more by you, so as to preach the gospel even to the regions beyond you, and not to boast in what has been accomplished in the sphere of another. So he's trying to explain to them why he's responding the way he is. And and again, he's bringing back this whole concept of, You're my responsibility. God sent me to you. You're within my sphere. I didn't overextend. I didn't come to the edge of my responsibility. Step over here quick, say a few things, and then step back in. No, rather, I've I've stayed within the sphere that God has made for me. I've stayed within that that God has designed for me to reach out and teach you. and, And I have been faithful to that. These other guys have come in now, and they're trying to take credit for our labors. But worse than that... Paul's not so, he didn't get so upset about somebody else taking credit, right? We've seen that before. So whether I water or Paulus waters and I seed, it doesn't really make any difference, as long as you grow. Paul's issue isn't that somebody else is coming in to be part of this. Paul's issue is they're teaching a false gospel. And he is jealous of the gospel of Christ to the point of the willingness to shed blood for it. So he's, he's jealous for that. And he wants people to hear that and only that gospel, not other gospels, not other things that they are hearing. And that's what he's trying to get at. He's trying to really put the point down, don't get caught in this stuff. It's the false teaching and you guys don't want to be there. So he's trying to help them with that. And, and then he goes on and he says, I'm not going to boast about our measure because we're not going to, we're not going to give credit or try to take credit for other men's labors. Right? We, do, we don't want to do that. We want rather to be able to, to take credit for what we have done or more so what God has done for us. If we look at Romans 12, verse 3. For through the grace which given to me, I say to every man among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. All comes down to this concept of boasting beyond our measure, beyond what we have to, to do and, and where we can be. And, and Paul is just trying to help these guys say, you know, it's God gives us all everything. I have no inherent ability to do any of this, to get up here and study God's word and, and open it to you guys. It's actually a pretty heavy duty sometimes. I love the, I love the concept of being able to, but it's not that I, I come with this amazing education of things. I, I'm not trained to do this, right? This is not in my training at all. I am an equine surgeon. That's what I have been trained to do. Cut things out, put things back. That's what I do. And, and so it's awesome to know, though, that God is big enough to be able to use me to open the word for things. That's what's amazing. So within my measure, 
I can do this because it's, I'm, I'm working within what God has set for me to do. I'm not going to boast about it by any stretch because that's when I always get myself in trouble. Right? So it's an, an interesting time as we look at this and we want to always be cautious with that. So don't boast. We don't want to, to use what other people have done and then claim it as ourselves because that doesn't help anybody. It becomes a false sense of security for me. And it certainly doesn't help the other people. And it doesn't help you either. So I have to be cautious with those things. Now, Paul is trying to help the Corinthians understand that there's a certain foundation they have to have really well built before we can move forward. And one of those is understanding false teaching. You can't win, you can't go forward when you accept false teaching. And it's why I love when people in this body will catch something that we might have said, that, that we did our best, but we may have said something that was just not quite right. And within hours, people are, are telling us about it. And that's a blessing, wouldn't you agree, Chris? And it is a blessing because you guys are like noble Bereans. You sift through the word, you evaluate it, and you make sure it be true. You don't just take what we say at face value, and you never should. You never should. It's so valuable to have checks and balances, and, and we are all for it, and that is the blessing with that. So we want to grow, though, right? We want to expand our sphere of influence. That's part of what we want to be about in the Great Commission. God gives us a sphere, but we want to expand it. We want to grow it into other areas. Sometimes it looks like, like planting a church. Sometimes it looks like getting bigger. Uh, all sorts of different things. But our goal is to do that. And Paul's trying to talk about these guys in the second half of, of verse 15. But with the hope that as your faith grows, we will be within our sphere enlarged even more by you. Paul's trying to encourage the Corinthians. What he's really saying here, I think, is it's time to stop the nonsense. I expend so much energy on you guys. I am exhausted having to deal with all of your little issues. And you're constantly going back to the same thing over and over. If you would stop that, if you would grow in your faith and really trust God, do you realize what we could do? You, me, what God could do at the time. I don't have that in here. It doesn't say that in the Word. But that's what, as I look through it, that's the impression I get from Paul. And he's trying to say, it's time to mature, Corinthians. It's time to, to grow up a little bit and be a little more discerning. Over and over I have to tell you, watch out for the false apostles. Watch out for the false apostles. Watch out for the false apostles. Am I going to have to tell you every time I write a letter to you, watch out for the false apostles? When can I write you a letter saying, I am so excited about how you have matured and how you have become discerning and how you have kept the false apostles out from amongst you and how you are growing? Let me tell you about my new work in Spain or Rome, or whatever it is, just so you might be encouraged because of your maturing in the Word. It has enlarged the sphere of my influence because I've been able to go to do that. Wouldn't that be exciting for them? Verse 16, he continues on. So as to preach the gospel even to the regions beyond you, to go out even further... And not to boast what has been accomplished in the sphere of another, but rather go where no others have been. 
so that we might reach the entire world. What an astounding concept that Paul has here. Just a desire to be reach out and to do more and have the Corinthians help them. He needs them to help him. That's an important part of his whole ministry. And he recognizes that and he's trying to help them to see that as well. Verse 17 and 18, Paul is finishing up here in this portion and, and, and basically reminding these guys again about the boasting and the mistakes of boasting. In his 17, he says, But he who boasts is to boast in the Lord. For it is not he who commends himself that is approved, but he who the Lord commends. This is a translation or, or of, of Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. In Jeremiah, it says, Thus says the Lord, Let not a wise man boast of his wisdom, and let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for I delight in these things, declares the Lord. So it's a great example. Boasting in itself isn't a bad thing. Boasting in the wrong thing is. Boasting in me would be bad, right? Me boasting before you that I have all these skills and ability and all this that I have to offer for you, for you and aren't you lucky today that you get to come listen to me? That would be bad. That would be a boasting that would not help any of us. But rather boasting in the Lord, boasting that God has given me the opportunity to study His Word and, and to, to share this with you. And that is such a rich blessing and that that is what we should boast about. We should boast not that we have been able to overcome this horrible tragedy of the tornado devastating our building, but rather we should boast that God in His loving kindness has taken such good care of us. It's not about our ability. We did not weather the storm. We were protected from the storm. Our building was not for a purpose. God has a purpose in that. We're still seeking that out. But recognize, we did not save ourselves from this storm. None of us. We were protected through the storm. And we have to recognize these things. We want to boast in God for what God has done. We did not organize this facility. We were, we were invited to this facility. We didn't come knocking on the door saying, hey, couldn't we meet there? They called us. God put it on their heart to call us. And in their minds, eyes, they consider this one of the best things they have done in 25 years of ministry. We boast in God for that because we didn't do it. We didn't make it happen. And we need to continue to do that. For he, it is not he who commends himself that is approved, but he whom the Lord commends. We really have to be cautious with ourselves. Because we all have the ability to mess this up. Me first and foremost. Albert Barnes, one of the, the commentaries that I was reading in preparation for this, has this statement, there is nothing which men possess in which they are not prone to glory. There is nothing that I have that I'm not going to at some point want to pin upon myself as making all of it happen. Being able to come up and speak, make slides, whatever it is, I'm going to find a way to do that. 
I remember vividly the first time I got to teach, and many of you have heard this story, but I think it really fits into this because it was a great lesson from God. Back in Mountain View days, my first time, and, and I'm a teacher, right? I teach and do surgery. That's what I do. That's, that's my job. It's what I've been trained to do. So getting up in front wasn't a concern to me. I, I do this all the time. And, and I was going to wow people with my skills and my abilities to do things. It's always funny to laugh at now, but at the time I was actually pretty serious about it. And, and so I was preparing myself to get up there and give this amazing message and, and have all these subtleties and things built into it. Well, God decided that that might not be a very good plan. So instead of that, I stayed up and did emergency surgeries all night long, the night before. I came home at 6 a.m., having done surgery all night long, and I walked in to give the message. I was a little tired. I was pretty monotoned. I was hoping to get through. It was right where I needed to be, and, and, and it was a great blessing to me because it got me out of the way and let God teach. So I spend most of my time asking God to keep me out of the way when I prepare for a message because for me it's a huge weakness that I have. So as we look at that, great examples... What do, what do we learn from this? What does it really come down to? And how, how are we measuring ourselves? Are we, are we in a vacuum? We see only ourselves in the mirrors and we look pretty darn good, right? What does it look like? How are we measuring ourselves against... We, we need to be measuring ourselves against the gospel and Christ, not even each other. Are we caught up in commending ourselves? Do I walk out of here saying, man, I did a pretty good job? Or do I walk out, walk out of here saying... Wow, what a treat it was to be part of this. Uh, what is our sphere? Could you look carefully and see what your sphere is? Most of us, I dare say, are not troubled by expanding our sphere too much into somebody else's. Most of us bring it in pretty tight. It's not so small, that means I have less to do, less to worry about. Might I encourage you to truly see what your sphere is? Where has God placed you? What does it look like? Who, where, where should you be? What should it look like? Who are we boasting in? When things happen that are great and grand or horrible, who do we boast in? Who gets the credit for changing our lives? Who gets the credit for that? So I brought a couple more examples. If you go to the next slide, talking about measuring up, it'll show better in the middle too. It's a picture of tundra right, up in, up in Alaska. And, and it's a great example of comparing and measuring. Because you see those trees? They look like pretty nice trees, don't they? Do you realize the tallest one of those is this tall? If that was your only example of trees, that might be okay. But what if you saw the redwoods? Can you imagine if all you'd ever seen was this and then you saw the redwoods? You'd probably go crazy. Next one. Nice example. See that? Big zebu bull, right? Pretty impressive looking bull. Powerful looking. All right, next picture. To give you an example, you see the little guy in front? That's just the same size as the other picture. These miniature zebus are this tall. Right? They look just like a Brahma bull. Every part of them look just like a shrunken Brahma bull. And in a picture, they may look very impressive, but when you get up alongside and do like this, all, all you're in danger of is them stepping on your toe. What are we measuring ourselves against? Are we the little guy that sits out in his pasture, 
amongst the whole other group of miniature zebus and says, I'm the biggest bull around. Or, or are we realistic in, in, in measuring ourselves and recognizing we are the little zebu bull? And that we measure ourselves against Christ, who is the big one, all right, the big problem that we are using to measure ourselves towards. So can I encourage you to be cautious as you go on and look at how you're responding to situations and people and what are you measuring yourself against and how often does Christ come into the measuring equation because that is our, that needs to be our standard. Our standard is Jesus Christ. We won't get there, but we ought to be getting closer. And it's only through salvation, right? A trusting faith in Him and that He died on the cross for our sin that we can start to grow. So I would encourage you, check your measuring sticks when you get home. See what they look like. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your truth and your word and for who you are. Lord, thank you for helping me to understand that, that I need to measure myself against you instead of myself. That, that when I measure myself against myself or commend myself to myself, that I am foolish. And that I have no understanding and nothing to offer you. Lord, would you please keep that in my mind? Keep that in my heart and grow us all. Lord, we want to all be more like Jesus day after day after day of growth. Guide us, grow us, Lord, and and change us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.